G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. A couple of clients are having difficulties raising investment as well. So that's also because they don't have time to uh, connect with different investors or uh, develop their network. But I also suggested them to maybe start podcast, start going on podcast of different people. So they, they'll know different uh, investors. What they are doing is they are doing the property management on their own right now. So that takes a huge a lot, huge lot of time for, and they don't um, get time to connect with different people. So that's one thing that I think every, every real estate investor should consider is investing their time in more um, like value-adding things rather than doing repetitive tasks that anyone else can do for you. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today, 
Today on the show, I had the pleasure of chatting with a good friend of mine and an all-round good bloke, Arby Jan. Arby is the CEO and co-founder of RealVal, and RealVal helps real estate investors and syndicators outsource their real estate analysis and underwriting. They have a huge team of analysts who manage and prepare underwriting, they build models, they prepare pitch decks, and they help their clients with asset management. Now, Arby helps his clients also expand by improving their underwriting processes and by training and specializing talent at RealVal for fulfilling their respective needs and overseeing all the quality control that goes on with underwriting. Now, Arby's area of expertise is actually analyzing multifamily, retail, and office, and he's helped his clients close on more than $1 billion worth of real estate deals. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible knowledge and his insight, but enough of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Arby. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Mate, my pleasure. And for those listeners out there, um, I use RealVal, right? I'm a, I'm a, I've been a client of RealVal for a couple of years now, and uh, we'll get into you know what uh, Arby does. But it's also Arby's first time being on a podcast, so so welcome to to the podcasting <laughs> world. It's it's a great way to get your message out there and what you do. But before we get into all of the good stuff and all the the juicy bits and the meat and potatoes, as we like to say on the show, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, so um, like I have. Uh, always been in India and I um, in India we don't generally start uh, in the early stage in the teen uh, like uh, in early teenagers so what we do is basically um, study all until graduation and start our job right after that so uh, it was similar thing for me too and uh, my first uh, earning was with an um, a auditing company I mm-hmm. am a chartered accountant so I was an intern with them and I was an auditor. Uh, so we used to uh, audit multiple companies with, uh, from different industries. So that's, one, uh, that's my first thing. I used to use that uh, stipend, uh, a small stipend. That's like, it was 6,000 bucks in INR. And mm-hmm. if you convert it, it's less than $100. Uh, is that a week or a month? Yeah, wow. A month, yeah. That was your starting job coming out yeah. of university. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, tell me how your relationship with money is in India when you're growing up. Like, did your parents have, did they talk about it? Did they, you know, were, were people talking about building businesses or was it just all about study, 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 get the best job you can and then, you know, save after that if, if there's any saving? Yeah. It's majorly similar to like, uh, having studies uh, as your priority there uh, initially our parents my parents are not that well educated they uh, haven't completed their schooling either my mm. father is a businessman and uh, he always wanted me to um, be a part of his business as well but it wasn't something that i enjoyed and that's something into manufacturing so um, i started i wanted to do something uh, which I'm studying, like uh, something that relates to my study. So um, I really liked finance, uh, building models and everything. So I uh, started working on those kind of things. And here I am. Here you are today. And, and you mentioned earlier, you're a chartered professional accountant. So where did you go to training to get your chartered license? So uh, it's equivalent to CPA. So what mm-hmm. CPA is in the USA, it's similar uh, term in India. Uh, it's similar term in India as chartered accountant. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also doing uh, CFA. I am a like finance uh, graduate as well. So- awesome! No, it's it, it, it's it's incredible to see so much product in other countries, so highly skilled, right? And and part yeah. of this evolution of and we'll get into the story of how you built RealVal, but the evolution of outsourcing, you know, high quality product and services to you know, parts like India, the Philippines, you know, parts of Mexico. Um, you know, I, I've been using virtual assistants for, you know, 10 years, right, in different various forms. Uh, and it's just such an international business now these days that, that, you know, if the talent within your home country isn't up to snuff, you know, there's so many other people out there that at a click of a button, you know, and, and we connect, yeah. you know, all the time, that's so easy to to find really, really good talent at reasonable rates, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, what, what I would pay for someone of your expertise here in the States is a lot more than what I pay, you know, you guys because it's outsourced, right? And that's right. not necessarily a criticism. It's just more of how, you know, when you're running a lean startup, you got to find the best talent for the, you know, the, the most reasonable prices. Um, but with that being said, Talk to me how you built RealVal because that is such an interesting. It's a, it's a concept that I have had personal to my heart, and I can get into the backstory of how we met. But I want to hear your like how you got into RealVal and what, why was there the the impetus to start a company in underwriting services specifically focused on you know commercial uh, multifamily or commercial real estate, I should say. Yeah. So initially in 2020, we, uh, I and my partner started uh, freelancing for many clients, um, like underwriting deals. We started to learn this by uh, doing trainings and doing hands-off jobs. And as we grew and as we started to get enough clients, like in 2021, um, it was something that I decided that it's, it's enough that uh, we can't grow more than this if we don't hire people. And we can hire people only by opening a company. And that's what we did in 2021. We started hiring. We started, like, we incorporated a company here, uh, RealVal. And we started hiring people. We started training them as real estate in India is totally different than what we have in the United States. It's very unsophisticated market over, over here in India. So there's no, um, like, specific um, uh, education related to real estate over here. So what we learned was everything was on on our own and we trained all of our analysts, like we can hire so smart people um, in India. They are such a quick, uh, they are such a quick learner and they are so quick to learn everything. And that's what we saw that we can train them. We can set up a process where we can um, train everyone on how things can be done, how, how to unwrite, how to build models, if they're good in Excel. So uh, that's when we started hiring, delegating things. And uh, we are a team of 15 people now. And uh, yeah. So- And, uh, and, and you mentioned earlier, or I mentioned earlier, you're across a lot of different asset classes. You're not just multifamily. Mm-hmm. So have you been able to attract, you know, give us give us the sort of the, yeah. the smorgasbord that you can do within the, the capabilities of RealVal? So uh, we do, we have several asset classes. We have specialization for different asset classes with different uh, analysts and with different managers. Uh, we do multifamily, senior living, uh, light tech deals, uh, mobile home park, uh, self-storage um, uh, offices, uh, retail, industrial, 
majority of the asset classes have worked on data centers. So uh, there are a lot of asset classes that we have covered. And there are some smaller niche that are yet to be covered, like scientific research and all. But uh, we are like trying to like uh, get hands-on experience on that as well. And and give the listeners a bit of an understanding. You know, underwriting is not the sexiest thing, right? But you mm-hmm. have to, as a you know, as a syndicator, as a real estate investor, you know, regardless if you're doing buying a single-family home or you're buying 300 units or doing a a 50-story office tower, you need to understand how the numbers work. Give me a sense of between all the different asset classes, how different is the model or the modeling process, in your opinion, from, you know, whether it's rent per unit or it's rent per square foot or if it's rent per pad, you know, like how how, does it differ a lot as you come to the different asset classes? So like uh, I would say, if you know modeling, if you uh, if you are able to analyze a particular asset class or any particular industry, you will be able to analyze any other industry as well. It's very simple. It's again like uh, it's just the cash flows that runs the business. So in in the end, uh, net operating income is the thing that we have in real estate that always matters. Uh, whether it's multifamily, whether it's self storage, whether it's any other asset class. Other right. than that. Uh, even I've uh, I've seen like uh, once I started learning and once I have uh, enough experience in real estate, I'm able to analyze different asset classes. Sorry, not asset classes, different industries as well. So not only real estate, I'm able to like analyze different industries. Maybe it's oil and gas or solar panels or uh, green electricity. So everything. So it's, and you bring, sorry to interrupt, but you bring up an interesting point because, you know, what we do at RSM Property Group is that we are a multifamily operator, right? And and we're very good at, you know, to your point, cash flow modeling is just all about net operating income, right? You've got to understand where, you know, your income, your expenses, the net operating income, the debt service, what's the cash flow. But that's when it comes a little tricky because, you know, they talk about doing 10,000 hours of, of underwriting or 10,000 hours of becoming, a, a, you know, a master of, 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 a, of, a, of a, you know, an art. You know, I know working you personally that we are very, you know, real estate's quite local and you've got to understand, you know, costs for payroll, costs for insurance, real estate taxes. You know, what is, you know, if you're turning in, in multifamily, if you're turning a unit when a tenant moves out, like what are those costs? And mm-hmm. so understanding the costs, how do you get really good at as you pivot to a different you know, asset class or even a different industry, like you mentioned oil and gas, like I think of oil and gas, I don't even know what expenses oil and gas would incur. And if you miss yeah. one of those expense line items, you could stuff up your model quite yeah. significantly and thus maybe go overpay for a deal that you shouldn't be overpaying for. So how do you guys make sure within RealVal you are providing the best quality um, I guess it's KPIs, keep key, key performance mm-hmm. indicators around the, the the expenses to make sure that the the PNL and the cash flow model is buttoned up. Yeah, that's a really good question. So what we do is basically we have SOPs for every asset class built out. And so SOPs just 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 re- standard what, operating procedures. Thank you. Yeah. So we have SOPs built out for each asset class, um, like how everything should be analyzed and if. Uh, this seems off according to the market or not. So let's say if you are in New York, there are $24,000, $3,000 rents. 
then it's a, a payroll of $2,000 per unit doesn't seem really high. But if the average uh, rent is only 1500, 1200 bucks per unit, then the, um, like if the personal cost or the payroll cost are $2,000 unit, then it'll be much higher, like as compared mm. to the market. Or it's a red flag. Yeah. If you, if you see that, yeah, yeah, Go, yeah. yeah keep going. So uh, similar to that, we have set up uh, like uh, standard operating, operating procedures uh, for each asset class based on our previous experience in underwriting many deals. So mm-hmm. we have uh, like uh, seen um, this is what you should uh, usually um, be incurring in operating expenses in a particular uh, market, like depending uh, as a percentage of the income. So based on that, we uh, set up uh, like procedures where each analyst can go to, go to them and see if this if this is a red flag or not. Mm-hmm. And if it is, what? we write questions and which can be asked from brokers um, and uh, while while touring the property and all. Look, you know as well as I do, you've underwritten a lot of deals across a lot of different industries that. You, know, you get an OM from a broker, whether it be a yeah. multifamily, self-storage, yeah. mobile home park, office, and it's a little bit of BS. Sometimes like it's a bit yeah. rose-tinted glasses, right? They've got a PL on there. I've always had the adage of chuck it out the window, like use it as maybe some light reading before you go to bed. But in general, you sort yeah. of got to come up with your own set of numbers because you want to be conservative, right? Because the assumptions that you make on the growth on where you can push rents to, where you can cut operating expenses, that matters, right? That, that yeah. drives the NOI. So um, how are you seeing that in today's market as deals are sort of getting harder and harder to pencil, you know, particularly over the last couple of years, and now we're coming into sort of a high interest rate environment, how are you seeing the game change in underwriting and how much better do you have to do as, it not, as an operation with, with RealVal to make sure you aren't giving advice to, an investor who's like, mm-hmm. well, RealVal said it was a really good deal, but it turns out to be not a very good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what we do is basically uh, we try different scenarios in today's market. Financing, getting a really cheap finance uh, loan is very difficult. So uh, people are trying to get deals with assumable loan um, properties, which already have a very low interest rate and already have a lot high uh, I- IO period left. In, the, uh, in that particular property. So what they do is try to get those deals, add supplemental loans, or maybe refinance once uh, if the term is about to over in a couple of years. So that thing, those things, and other than that, uh, like expenses, of course, OM usually um, suggests expenses or income which are most aggressive so the deal can, be, uh, the deal can sell at a particular price that they want. But what we do is basically not look at the OM as a guidance to our underwriting, but to compare, let's say if we have underwritten the property and we are very far off the uh, guidance that the broker has told, it's 20% off. So what we see, uh, we see what expense assumption or any uh, rent assumption has the broker um, taken in the OM and accordingly, how uh, does how is it different from our assumption and why is there a particular reason why they have taken that so let's say r and m expense is very high in the t12 so accordingly we have taken a higher expense but sometimes they don't specify if the r and m includes the capex or not and if the if the om says that these uh, these r and m expenses include the capex part then we like uh, reduce it for now but keep it as a question to be confirmed from the broker and things like that, um, like insurance, 
and taxes are usually the uh, deal breaker in a deal. And that's what the broker um, claimed to have, let's say, uh, say you, that you should consult with your tax consultant or insurance consultant before, uh, like you should not believe the OM numbers for tax and insurance. So that's what we should do as well. We, uh, for taxes, what we do is we call up counties, we um, check when the reassessment would be of a particular property, what the millage rate exactly is, and if they have reassessed the property in this year, uh, what are the updated numbers? So there are counties and uh, states where the property is not reassessed right after sale. So uh, what we do is we confirm them from the county and only after that we assume the taxes. Yeah. No, it, it's it's interesting, right? It's it's such a, you know, depending on how conservative or not conservative you want to be, you you can really make it, you know, essentially are you, it's, it's crass, but, you know, you, you stand around sort of, um, you know, salivating over a spreadsheet where it's just numbers on a spreadsheet. Right? I can make a spreadsheet look at any way I want it to look to make the deal look pretty, right? And so particularly in today's world where you've got investors, you know, we're coming into sort of turbulent times with, with the economy, you really got to be careful with what your, your assumptions are. Um, one of the things, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier to all those listeners, I work directly with RealVal. You are my underwriters for, for RSM Property Group. But one of the things I've been encouraging you guys to do and, and what, I get, what I kind of geek out on is, is the data collection, right? You're across so many different not only do you do underwriting for me, but you do it for a lot of other clients and a lot of other uh, industries. So, you know, I know at least with our deals in our markets, I get you guys to track the data, track what we're underwriting. What deals are we underwriting and how how they performed or, or how did, where did they end up selling? So how much is data collection in your business, you know, on the back end important yep. to then make those assumptions that we talked about earlier more concrete and say, well, actually that broker, we've underwritten, 20 deals in Dallas, for example, we know that, you know, you know, the average 1980 building doesn't operate at, you know, $2,000 a door. It operates more at $4,500 a door, right? H- how much of that is really helping you drive the business and really creating value within the business? Because I feel like that would be the biggest value creation for you guys as you're starting out uh, a company like RealVal. Yeah. So uh, like we are doing for RSN Property Group, we are doing that internally as well. There are two two sets of data that we that we usually prepare is um, like the deal that has come onto the market right now is maybe a deal that has been on market for the past six months and has been reintroduced in the market, which is happening nowadays very uh, like commonly. So I'm seeing properties that are coming out of the market, which were $10 million, uh, which were having a $10 million higher guidance six months back. Mm. So so that that's happening, and this that helps us uh, analyze um, like what pricing or what um, um, how should we should should we even underwrite deals at guidance that the broker is saying, right? And the other set of um, data that we collect is the operate operating expense related. So like a 1980 built 1990 uh, 1990s asset in Dallas um, we have unwritten let's say hundreds of properties in Dallas for uh, 1990s built so we have data for all those uh, properties like what they are being operated at and average out everything we get a, a, an idea like uh, what's the payroll uh, in in that particular area what's the um, like 
the turnover expenses or insurance expenses in that particular. Usually, some of these expenses uh, differ on property to property basis, but some a couple of things can be uh, referred to with that data and which are very accurate. Right. No, and, that, and that's that's the beauty of working with a group like yourself. You know, um, I, I I really encourage that data collection. I've always encouraged data collection um, to to really make sure that I, as an operator, am making the best decisions. Um, how many people come to you, Arby, with their own model, and how many people do you serve with your own? Like you build a model from from scratch. Yeah. So majority of our clients, you own really they don't have any underwriting experience, uh, mm. they don't have any uh, models. They use uh, Michael Blank's model that <laughs> uh, that is commonly available. And that is really like, uh, I can tell you 10 uh, things right now which are incorrect in that model. And, <laughs> yeah. He's He might want to listen to this because he, he needs to fix it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like our model we have built model we have continuously updated a model which can be uh, used with uh, it's first of all very detailed and institutional level model and what we do is we prepare different models for each industries for development acquisition and use that for who which like uh, if the client needs the model and if they don't have any model as such so we have taken inspiration from a lot of our clients a lot of our clients have their own models so uh, I like a couple of things in the model. Let's say if a particular analysis or friend tool is very good, let's say uh, I've seen some things in Red IQ, so mm -hmm. which are very good. I tried to incorporate that in our model so that it can enhance the value to the investors and the clients. So those kind of things uh, we try to add, add and add as the time goes. So it becomes uh, like it, it goes to such a, such a level that if you're underwriting in that model, you won't be uh, like you won't be shifting to any other model, and you won't uh, like it. Takes a little bit time if you're moving from one model to another, but once you're on to that model, you won't be shifting to any other. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you'll automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now back into the show. I want to come back to Red IQ in a second, but I do want to have a bit of a story time here, and it's it's important for me to to state this because the first, and this is for everyone out there listening about how to get started in underwriting. I I personally have been I'm, I'm quite handy with a spreadsheet. And I I remember building my first cash flow model back in the day. It was you know from my triplex that I bought back in 2012. It was very rudimentary. Um, but over the years, I've actually used virtual assistants, right? And, and, and the story of where how Arby and I got together was ever since 2013, I remember the first person I ever hired, quote unquote hired as a virtual assistant was actually two kids from USC. And I taught them how to underwrite some deals, right? Very basic deals. And what I found was that back, my old model back in the day was it was, it was okay, but it wasn't great. And I, I spent a lot of my time teaching these young kids to underwrite in order to, you know, save me time underwriting deals. 
you know, over the years, I then found that I started hiring younger kids who come out of uni, are in sort of their first or second year at a, at a, a big shop. They're not earning a ton of money, but they wanted a bit of side income. And so I'd hire these, you know, guys 10, 15 hours a week. But what I what that did was help me then create better models because I could then ask them to say, hey, how do you compare your model at your work to what this model is? And over a period of many iterations, like I'm talking like more than 50 iterations, we've got to a model which I have today. And I'm saying this more as a story for the, for the listeners because what I ended up building was as, as analysts came in and out of my business with RSN, they would only sort of stick around for six months and they would have to then go again and find another one on Upwork and, okay, you know, this is how I do it. And I actually ended up building a bunch of videos of like, this is how you should uproll a rent roll. This is how you up should upload a T12. This is how I like to look at it. And it wasn't until I stumbled across Arby and, and AJ. And, and historically, I was very hell-bent on using US uh, talent, right? Because I was like, I need to have US talent who've gone to US, US universities and understand US real estate. Cut a long story short, I stumbled across Arby and, and, and your partner um, at RealVal, and I had built these videos, and we sort of nearly like worked together, and you, sh- you learnt like I learnt, and now today, Arby and his team are actually making even more corrections to my model, which is incredible, and making it even more refined. Um, and I just sort of say that because I have been close to the veil and close to the, the, the coalface, so to speak, in building models and trying to build out a, 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 a do do it for yourself underwriting service because my idea and I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, Arby, was a couple of years back, probably 2016. I, I I tried to launch with another syndicator friend of mine, Omar Khan, a thing called um, Deal Analytica, and Deal Analytica was going to be like a Red IQ, but there was sort of these two worlds, right? There was you could have um, my idea was how can you have an underwriter for a fraction of the cost without, you know, if you're in that sort of, you're just getting started, you're a syndicator, you're not a big shop that can that can afford to have a full-time underwriter who sits at a, you know, in the dungeon and you know, pumps out models, but you wanted something that was a little bit more, you know, 1099, you know, freelance work, but it was more of a package. Like you come through a process. This is how you upload the, the T12. This is how you upload the rent roll. And we're going to produce you a, you know, a, a package at the end of it, but it was actually run by actual people and not a software because I found out software like Red IQ, it only goes so far, right? And the software at Red IQ is it's still very the person who uses it has to still enter all the data. Where I saw a real need, which is what you've created, Arby, and I'm coming around to my story now because I'm ranting a little bit, but it comes back to you've created a business around a. a, a a done-for-you underwriting service from soup to nuts for those people who can't necessarily afford to have the full-time underwriter sitting in their office, but they need, they know they need underwriting services and capabilities. And that's what I've always wanted to build myself, but I've never had the time or the energy because I've been building my company, RSN. But it was, when I stumbled upon you, you two, it was sort of like we, we instantly clicked because I'd already had this thought of doing this thing, but I never had the time where you guys were like, I see a value in the industry and now we've kind of worked together to, I, I hope, you know, make each other better. <laughs> but, 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 the, but the idea is it was very kismet in coming together, but that, that the industry really needed that, 
that that hole to be plugged. There was go hire a person for seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year, sit in your in your in your office. There's Red IQ, but then there's nothing else, right? But there's a lot of people in that lower tier that want to, that, that want professional institutional underwriting, but don't have the time and the energy to go do it. And this is I, you know, why I want to get you on the show. And I'll I'll shut up now. But I just wanted to bring that as a story for all the listeners, and I'll let you comment on that, Arby, because I think it's important to bring these services to the industry as people are getting involved because you can make bad decisions if you don't know how to underwrite. I'll, I'll let you comment. Yeah, of course. So like one thing that I'd like to add is uh, as everyone usually uh, at a particular level um, knows that time is most valuable. Their time is most valuable. And rather than underwriting these or doing repetitive tasks that are uh, like fine, uh, like signing for CA, signing CAs, getting deal room access, uh, contacting broker for the pricing and all. So these kind of things, these kind of repetitive things, is something that takes a lot of time. Uh, and underwriting can take from two hours to four hours a day. And if you're underwriting two deals a day, it'll take a whole day. So they they they'll not they'll not be able to like connect with other investors, uh, uh, brokers, and make broker connections. So broker connections nowadays are very important because like thousand people are running behind the ten deals. They are fighting for ten deals. So having really nice broker connection in the area that you're targeting are very, really important. And so like uh, they can uh, send you deals pre market. And we have seen with a lot of clients that they have closed on pre-market deals rather than before coming onto the market. So that, that's really helpful. And uh, a couple of clients are having difficulties raising investment as well. So that's also because they don't have time to uh, connect with different investors or de- uh, develop their network. But I also suggested them to maybe start podcast, go, start going on podcast of different people so that they, they'll know different uh, investors. What they are doing is they are doing the property management on their own right now. So that takes a huge, a lot, huge lot of time for, and they don't um, get time to connect with different people. So that's one thing that I think every, every real estate investor should consider. Um, is investing their time in more um, like value-adding things rather than doing repetitive tasks that anyone else can do for you. Or, or it's, it's a task that you're not good at, right? There's a lot yeah. of people out there who love the business of real estate. They love going out and connecting with people. They love finding deals, but they don't. They just don't have... They don't know what how to work an Excel spreadsheet, right? So yeah. you're going to be dead in the water if you don't have a, a you know someone on your team that can fill that gap. You can go out and hire someone full time, or there's there's groups out there like like RealVal, um, which I'm you know, very I'm proud to say that I was there at the beginning, and you know we've fostered a relationship together, and 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 I I, I you know I expect to work with you guys for many years to come, and I can see you know how the growth that you got because of the way you apply yourself to your SOPs, to your uh, details, uh, to quality control, to making sure you're capturing that data, to making us as the syndicator, nearly like the engine behind the car, operate most efficiently. And, and 
understanding where my time is best spent. And I've, I understood that many years ago when I first hired those kids from USC, that me underwriting three or four hours a day was an absolute waste of my time, particularly when I was trying to work a full-time job and have a, have a life and have my girlfriend and all that sort of stuff. But I knew early on that I was half decent at underwriting, but I could be I could make it better by outsourcing to people who were smarter than me. And you know, here we are, seven eight years later, talking to you on this podcast yeah. about the evolution of all of this industry. You know, and there's so many fascinating things that I've seen and witnessed over the years. Another awesome one around technology is you know the online deal rooms. You know, the the, the online portals. Like I remember back in the day when. It was just all DocuSign and you kept it on a you know a G drive, right? Today everyone's got, you know, Juniper Square and deal, investor deal room and you know cash flow portal and it's it just it's the, the industry has evolved and so has the servicing behind that at this industry in commercial real estate. And and I think it's only something that's that's good for the business, right? It's good for you, it's good for you guys, it's good for us. Um so yeah, I, I just really appreciate the 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 working relationship we have. Yeah. What we do is, as a quality control is another thing, we have like managers uh, allocated to different analysts. So every manager has a couple of analysts under them. So who, whichever analyst is directly connected to the client, they don't directly send the deals uh, to the client unless uh, they are very experienced and the client is comfortable. So once we are onboarding a particular client, what we do is we allocate the manager as well as the analyst so that the manager has a lot, a lot of experience and they'll, they're able to understand the client's process or if they don't have a process, they'll be able to develop a process as they have been seeing different processes of many, many investors. So yep. they'll yep. develop a process as per their requirements and as per their needs so that it can help them out in future and uh, review all the work, all the deals that the analyst is doing. So it always comes to the investor as a one-step check. And once they are comfortable enough in a couple of months or so, they uh, start to go more on the back end and have the analyst let go or get go. Yeah. No, it's, it's, an ing- it's a great system. I think it's you know, just to reiterate for those people um, who are listening, is just like so the team has managers within the organization that are interfacing with the client and then those managers supported by junior analysts who help pump out the you know the multiple iterations of of the different deals and the different models uh to then come back to 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 the client like me and 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 i've been you know fortunate enough to to see that firsthand and it's been quite successful in terms of turning around product really quickly so um arby then the last question before we get into the lightning round is where do you see the company going what's the sort of vision over the next five years so uh i all actually created a vision with my partners uh, like last month uh, for the next three years. So what we are planning is to like currently we are 15 people and uh, in 2023, we are planning to expand really quickly, even though the market is down, we know. And uh, in since uh, the market is uh, expected to go up in June 2023 or so, and what we are planning is we are redeveloping everything. We are de- redeveloping our process and uh, we're planning to uh, maybe expand our company by three times by the next year, by year wow. uh, 2020. That's awesome. Look out, Real Val. I'll look out uh, Red IQ and Bullpen because uh, Real Val is coming for you. I know. I, I, and I'm, you know, awesome to, to be along as a client for the ride. So I think it's uh, it's incredible. and. And as I grow as a client as well, I know I'm asking you guys for certain stuff and you're taking it away 
processing it and coming back to me with ideas of how to you know, capture that extra bit of data or, you know, um, you know, one thing we've talked about at a long, at a long extent is the, the, the access to CoStar, right? It costs a lot, but you guys are at the forefront of underwriting so many deals already. Maybe there's your own mini CoStar within your own system. So cool. it's just, it's uh, it's incredible to see you grow and I just wish you all the best. Um, but at the end of every show, I do like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yeah. Mate, question number one is, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? One thing is, um, like, I really like workout and working out. So I, even if there's um, loads of work, I don't miss my workouts. And uh, so that's one thing that keeps my mind clear. And that's something that I would recommend everyone do as well. What do you, what do you, what's your, what, what sort of work? You're running, you're going to the gym, you're doing yoga. What I'm are you going doing? to the gym. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I'm 100% the same way with you. If I don't do something physical in the day, yeah. going to the gym, going for a run, going for a surf, I get a little stir crazy. My wife gets annoyed with me and she says, get out of the house and go, <laughs> go, run, around, go run around the block. <laughs> so, uh, question number two is, is, who's the most influential person in your career to date? Uh, to be honest, uh, you. Really? No, yeah. that's no way. Come on. Who else? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've seen you like uh, from starting RSN from zero, and I've seen you close deals uh, like four deal or two deal portfolio twice in this year. And I've seen you. I've seen your mind, mindset. I've uh, listened to a lot of your podcasts, and uh, like I also like talk about you uh, with Anshaj, and uh, we always say that. A read is going to go a long way, and uh, <laughs> so. Well, I'm very humbled. Thank you. I did. I just for the listeners. I. It's not. A, I didn't. I didn't set Arby up just to say that. So <laughs> to thank you, my friend. I, I. 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 Thank you. Thank you. That's all I can say. Um, question number three is: What's the most influential tool in your business? Now, when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a notepad or a, or a mm-hmm. phone, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? It's actually Microsoft Excel that, yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. So that's something is is a base for everything that we do. And uh, without Microsoft Excel, it won't be possible to build models. It won't be possible to build underwritings and do all the all the analysis that we do right now. Right. No, it's it's that and Zoom probably right because you guys are in India, yeah. and and yeah, we're we're halfway across the globe. So yeah, I I completely agree. Excel, it's 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 come up a few times in this question over the years. <laughs> Excel is definitely if you don't know Excel, uh, find someone like Arby who does know how to use Excel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number four is uh, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? Um. Actually, I have failed a lot during my um, studies initially, and I've learned that discipline is a very uh, like important thing. And if you don't have discipline to do a particular thing, um, you won't be able to succeed. And failures are something that I've learned a lot from. And I've failed a couple of times uh, during my education, and I've always learned new things from that. And um, I've always applied those things in my future as well. One thing, one uh, another thing that I have seen is no, no uh, amount of work is small or big. 
even i've done uh, smaller things in the past those are coming to use uh, coming for me to use now so i used to work for a company um, that where i used to build just charts charts and charts uh, every day for a couple of months and i was so bored but <laughs> those those kind of skills are coming um, to me now and like so that i can help uh, my clients build decks and uh, prepare different charts and so so everything is um, coming back to me now and every uh, dot connects at the end that's what mm. i've seen so um if you look at the past and see uh, everything everything is uh, connected and if i wasn't able to do that particular thing let's say if i um, our company our freelancing firm and everything was born in covid uh, right after i uh, graduated right after i completed my chartered accountancy uh, last i see is if i wouldn't have failed my last attempt i wouldn't have wasted my 6 months i would have completed it 6 uh, months earlier than covid and i would have been doing something different now rather mm. than uh, freelancing so everything uh, like when i look into the past i see every dot to be connected it's it's, it's so it's it's very interesting and it's um You're right, and and I've got a similar story. And I won't bore you with it, but it's it's sort of like those pain. You mentioned creating charts. It's like a pain, right? You look back and you yeah. you quit, you you shiver because you'd like I don't ever want to see a freaking chart again. But now yeah. it's a skill set that you've picked up that's helped pro- you know, provide some of the fundamentals of what the business is, the business service that you're providing today, and. Looking back, you also for those people who are listening, if you are in a job that you freaking hate. Try and see what skill sets you can take from it that are going to help you be the, the the better entrepreneur in the future. But it's also going to be something that's a pain point that's going to force you to become an entrepreneur, right? Because it's what you're saying is that you had a pain point then, and it forced you to do something else and pivot and create a company, which ultimately here here we are today. So it's awesome yeah. stuff. Um, last question for you, mate, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation that will be in your sphere? Where do they go? so um everyone can reach out to me on linkedin or email me or uh, we are always available on our website as well so you can ping us on our website and which is um, just remind it remind the listeners what it is it's www.therealwell.com p h e r e a l v a l.com so you can Real reach out to us through that and uh, or my linkedin as well Abhijan, so it's A-B-H-I-J-A-I-N and it's www.therealval.com. Yeah. Awesome stuff, my friend. I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to you know, reflect some of the things that I took away. Look, I think you have, just knowing you from, from the beginning, you have an ability to, you're curious about stuff. Uh, and you get you're geeky like I am in terms of like wanting to make the processes better. And I think in a business like in a service business, uh, a, 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 a service business like yours, you need to have the processes and the standard operating procedures. You need to get excited about optimizing. Otherwise, you won't have a successful business. You know, you yeah. talk about your SOPs, your managers, and the you know the sub analysts, and making sure that's better, and how that's going to change between now and the next six months as it's slowing down, but you're trying to ramp up. Those are the things that I want to see as a client in a in a business owner as a CEO, particularly around underwriting, because 
iron sharpens iron, right? We want to constantly get better. We want to constantly improve on what we do. Underwriting can be complicated, but also can be very, very basic. And I know that you and I have had many long conversations about complex models, but then we've had to break it down to, okay, what are we picking it up for? What are we trying to sell it for? Do we believe in that? Yes or no? <laughs> and it's it, it, at the end of the day, we have all these complex systems. We have, you know, we, we come to the same answer, but having someone who's passionate about creating those systems, I think is really, really important. And that's something that I see within you as a real you know, huge value in your sort of special source and your superpower, so to speak, um, to in creating real value in, 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 in you know, what the company is today. And I'm just excited to see it grow into the future. So did I leave anything out? Um, the thing that, um, I've seen people struggle, uh, is like Excel is very, it can be really complex if you don't know, if enough, if you have not worked on it and it can be really easy if you're, if you're already working on it and your hands-on experience, but everything is not really good at everything. So, um, you should, um, like by growing our company, like while growing our company, I was not really delegating stuff myself initially. And that's what something hit me. Like I'm asking people to delegate their things to us while I'm not doing that for my own company. Mm. So right then I started like hiring uh, other people for things that uh, like I have to delegate and I segregated things that I have to delegate and things that I'll have to do it myself. So that in when that started, I started going. You started going at a bit at a faster pace. Yes. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. Well, look, thank you again for jumping on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you so much for you. Well, there you have it. Another episode jam-packed full of incredible advice from Arby. Arby and his team over at therealval.com. Remember to go out and check him out. If you are someone who is getting into the business of syndication in whatever capacity, you know, multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, the team over at RealVal um, do have a, a big smorgasbord of capabilities to underwrite a lot of different asset classes and a lot of different industries. So if you are if you're missing that within a business, I highly, highly, highly recommend you get over and see them. They are they're reasonably priced, and it takes a lot off your plate and a lot of stress off your plate um, as a you know a leader of a syndication company because you can't be always focused on underwriting. I know for myself, I couldn't be focused on underwriting, and I needed to outsource that early on in my business, and I did so right. And having the right team around you at a reasonable price helps us all grow together. So definitely go check out therealval.com. Again, I want to thank everyone to, for taking some time out of their day to continue to grow their financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. All the links from today's show will be up on my, pod, uh, my podcast, my website called readgoosens.com. Check it out over there. And you can follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Just type in the word Reed Goosens. And we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold be brave and go give life a crack.